Welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast is brought to you by the D-Schooling Diary, a 365-day journey into living and learning without school. You can order your copy today on Amazon. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we're committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. My name is Angela Harders, and I am your host. And today I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to Teresa Wiedrich. Teresa, thank you so very much for being here with us today. And to all of my listeners, thank you for being here as we have a conversation that can change the world. Thank you for having me and hello to everybody. Um, And so to get us started, Teresa, can you share just a little bit about you, your family, and your story? Yeah. Okay. So I have four kids. I've been homeschooling for, I lost track of the number. (laughs) Homeschooling homeschooling isn't hurt. My kids, on the other hand, are kind of offended if I don't remember their ages, but it's something like 13 to 21. And um, I've been parenting for 22-ish years Mm. and homeschooling for about 15, but homeschooling for me was um, something that I didn't intend to do, says a lot of people, but I actually went into a bookstore one time on a vacation with the intention of uh, just, you know, finally having an hour alone with three little girls, and I came across a book called The Homeschool Option by Lisa Rivera, and I think the byline was, would homeschooling work for you? And of course, I assumed No. And so I picked up the book because I wanted to make my arguments against it. And within the week of reading it, I discovered, wow, we should homeschool. And the rest of, you know, our family history changed because of that book. Wow, that is incredible. I'm definitely going to have to link that book. I have not heard of that one before. So I'm curious to look more into that book. Um, What in particular about that book made you just kind of have that light bulb moment like wow we can do this or this might be a good option for my family you know my very first podcast episode I shared that story but there were a lot of things going into it I think at the time in both my husband's and my life we were really looking for freedom Mm -hmm. from a variety of things and it looked like the perfect package of freedom and um, it has many many freedoms and it also has many challenges. So I've learned since then, but it is a, yeah, there were so many possibilities, like anything from a self-directed education to being able to travel to, you know, even for myself and my husband, we've become, how do I say more ourselves and mm-hmm. captured more of our own interests and followed down more of our own interests. So there've been so many benefits. I had no idea in the beginning how beautiful and big it really would be. Oh, I love that. I I can definitely relate. When I first started, I was not anticipating 
that I would love it this much. <laughs> um, and just seeing all the added benefits that I didn't even know about or think about when we first started this journey. And, and that's, I love the fact that you mentioned self-directed learning, but then you also talked about how you and your husband also were able to discover things about yourselves too. And I, I find that's truly a gift to be able to not just allow our children the freedom to learn and direct their learning, but then even me as an adult that I'm having that opportunity now to really ask myself, what do I want to learn about? What do I want to do with my life and my time? Um, and it's, it's wonderful. Um, so when you first started homeschooling, I assume your children, had they already been in school at that point or were they not school age yet? Yeah, actually my first two were. So my oldest went to the end of grade two and my second was in kindergarten and um, they were fine. There was no real issues. I could see that the education was adequate and they were okay with everything. Truthfully, they weren't learning that much, but they were smart kids and capable of what was there. Um, my oldest, when she'd get off the bus, she was pretty grouchy. It felt like her energy was depleted. Mm -hmm. And within six months of homeschooling, that did, did turn around. I could see a, a real shift into her own curiosity and her own, you know, just explore or explorations into the world. And it was less demanding than the school life. It was it was an ideal way to to start, I think, the early elementary years. An interesting experiment in education and then moving into home education. Very different. What do you think that transition was like for your children transitioning from going to school and then now all of a sudden being homeschooled? Like what was that like for them? Okay, well that's interesting that you ask that because for me, I mean I'm going through all those questions of is this good enough? Or, you know, is this really going to work? Or every time someone asks me questions, I'm thinking the same thing. Is this really going to work? They're probably right. I'm probably not doing the right thing by my kids. But for my kids, they had a huge shift. I mean, they're pretty young at the time. And also, might I add very, uh, my oldest was very extroverted. So you could look at her and say, did she really like going into homeschooling? but we moved um, a different province away. So it was a huge shift. And I don't think that I could parse whether, you know, her shift was a challenge in some ways because we simply moved provinces or mm -hmm. if, you know, the, the shift to homeschooling. I, I don't remember any issues with homeschooling at all. It was just very natural. And I always followed their interests and I always asked them what they wanted to do. So they just always had a lot of stuff to do and a lot of friends to meet. And it was always a lot of fun. Mm, that's awesome. Um, I know that you shared that you actually practice unschooling. Um, and for people that may not be familiar with unschooling, how would you define what unschooling is or what does unschooling mean to you? Okay, so this many years down the road, and I'm still scared to use that word publicly, <laughs> because I know it's so supercharged for people. And that's why I go towards a self directed education. Me too. You know, <laughs> And I do that simply because, I mean, I don't care what it's called. My yeah. goal is to really help my kids become who they were meant to be in this world and to do the things that were important for them and what yeah. they should be doing for the communities that they're living in. And I think we all have very different reasons for being here. We don't always have, obviously, the book of answers when our kids come into the world. But uh, since that's my goal, my goal isn't about what are all the right things to teach them or give them as knowledge bits. It's more about who are they? Where do we start? We start with the child. So that, that I don't know if I could give you an exact definition of what I think unschooling is, but it's not traditional approaches. 
necessarily. Mm. I have a child though, who, even though she went through the entire, um, you know, homeschool, high school, didn't graduate with a traditional diploma. She's very much unschooled right until she's now in her first year university. Um, she was the most academic out of them all. And she asked me very early on, mom, can we have tests? And I went, why? <laughs> because she wanted them and she wanted to have sense where she was. Uh-huh. And, and she's, you know, she's done all sorts of things that look very traditional, mm-hmm. but she chose them. And that's mm-hmm. the key. That, that is definitely the key. I think a lot of times people hear in schooling and they think, oh, you're just not doing anything or it doesn't, you're not doing any sort of formal learning or teaching or not, nothing formal is happening, but yeah. that's absolutely not true. Not um, true. No. And I love that your daughter was able to even communicate and articulate that for her, it was really important that she wanted to assess her own learning and, and have tests and things like that. And that you were able to provide that for her too. Um, I I love that. That's awesome. Um, And I can definitely relate to your sentiments about feeling like you don't really like the term unschooling. Um, That's actually why I don't even, I tried not to call us unschoolers either for the very same reason. I feel like the term can be very off-putting sometimes for people. Um, And that's why I created the term peaceful world schooling. uh, Cause I, I I wanted to have a term that I felt like would embody more what we were standing for rather than what we were standing against. Yes. Um, And yeah, so I I love the term peaceful world schooling or self-directed learning or child-led learning or life learning, all those Mm -hmm. other terms that people use. Um, But I I think, I feel like unschooling is like the popular term that, you know, most people in this, in this arena are kind of familiar with, but. For sure. In the unschooling world and then non-schooling world, not so much. (laughs) They don't know what that is. And they mostly think that you're, you know, on a device all the time or watching TV all the time, which by the way is also learning, but anyway, we'll, we'll not go there. (laughs) (laughs) So what did a typical day then look like for you with four kids, four different ages, all learning from home, all interested in different things? How did you manage that? Well, it was busy, obviously, but I would say, um, it was so different from year to year. Even right now, I'm really just homeschooling one kiddo who mm-hmm. is 13. And even that looks so different than every other year, every other child, because they're just engaging the world differently every year. But when my kids were really young, probably for the first three or four years, I was very traditional. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't go into, you know, going from a school right into unschooling or self-directed approach. I went very much into Susan Wise Bauer's well-trained mind. And I tried to put it all into practice with my very young children. Mm-hmm. And for three or four years, we did with much dissatisfaction. And okay. finally, you know, I think it was a February, um, a February of the third year, maybe the fourth year, where I just hit a wall and I just felt like I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And someone happened to, a good friend of mine happened to suggest to me to watch a Brené Brown TEDx talk. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know what the tie-in was other than Brene Brown was talking about authenticity, vulnerability, and something in that made me think, I have no idea who I am, Mm. what I'm about, and why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm just doing it because I think it's the right thing to do, Mm. and I'm not advocating for what I need, or I'm not advocating for who I am in my homeschool, and Mm. things need to change. So one of the elements was definitely moving towards that unschooling approach. And also I happened to find another book on a library bookshelf 
by John Holt. And that was the, the end of my classical homeschooling approach. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is fascinating. Um, what, what book was it by John Holt, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, um, no, I had two. So I think I did How Children Fail, is, or is that right? How Children Fail? Yep, that is one. Yeah, that was the first one. So it was the one where he was actually in the classroom and mm -hmm. or sharing the details of what his experiences were when kids were learning math and how they weren't learning it. Mm -hmm. And he's like a 30 year, I'm sure you speak to this often, but he's a 30 year uh, school teacher veteran. Mm -hmm. He's somebody that is with kids all the time, or he was, and he was watching how they learn. And he said, I don't think they're really learning. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, you know, teaching children to fail, is that the right? Anyways, it was that one. And then, and then there was another one that he wrote alongside another person that had a huge impact. And then John Taylor Gatto's book, of course, yeah. and so many good books. Yeah. Yeah. John, John Holt and John Taylor Gatto both were very influential for me when I was first starting my yeah. journey into homeschooling and in particular into exploring a little bit about unschooling or, or I guess I was more intrigued by the idea of natural learning and self-directed learning. Like, how is it possible that a child can just direct their own learning? And I agree. Sounds really odd. It does, you know, and especially for, for in, in my case, I was a teacher. So I taught in the public school oh, for about 12 wow. years. And so I kind of was having this crisis here of like, gosh, I've been a teacher for over 12 years. And then now these people are telling me that kids can just learn all on their own and like, there's no way, no. you know, it was yeah, like, you're like, no, <laughs> no, yeah, I know my same thought. I mean, to this day, I'm still, I don't want to say I'm grappling with that. I'm not, I'm grappling with other people's stories around that mm. because, you know, I'm actually engaging in my own world right now on de-schooling your homeschool. And I've, I, I focus in on that because I think we need to reevaluate what is an education anyways. Yeah. And, you know, we were taught how it is. Most of us were conventionally schooled and the entire culture is infused with this notion of how we should do an education. Mm -hmm. And because I classically homeschooled and I did a little Latin, okay, I did a lot of Latin and I took, um, I learned that the root word of education is educato and it means to raise up. But I ask like to raise up what? Are mm -hmm. we raising a child or are we raising up a school system or a classroom? We're, we're raising up a child. So if we're raising up a child, what do we need to do to participate in a process that they can be raised up? Because I think it's them as well as us raising them up and um, uh, obviously a community, but raising them up to become who they were meant to be, not what everybody else was meant to be or not to create a baseline approach to what you could be but specifically who you are and help encourage that. Mm. How do you do that though, when you have four different kids? I mean, in my case, I have, my daughter's going to be eight and my son is three. So mm. yeah, I only have two, but I'm just trying to think logistically, how do you do that with a larger family when you have four different kids that all are interested in different things? Well, first of all, I would say that the goal isn't to fill the, their world with lots and lots and lots of things. Because that, that, I mean, it has so many disadvantages. 
the most popular post I have on my website is a post about solitude and how we can encourage solitude in our kids. Mm. And it's also not our culture's um, natural instinct to go down that solitude path and don't do anything. You know, mm. how is that going to help a child in their education? It helps them process. Mm. It helps them think about life and think about how they fit in it and how they fit in relationships and what they want and what they don't want. Mm -hmm. And I think we shouldn't fit a lot of things. I don't think we should aspire to filling our days with a lot of stuff. Um, but over the course of the entire 18, 19 years that we're with them, they have a lot of days in there and you will go in all sorts of different directions based on even just one child's interest. So, you know, sometimes I think it's useful for us to back up and say, okay, let's look at what they're actually doing without us interfering and write it down, just observe them for a week and say, like, write it down what they're actually doing, anything. And then look at those different elements and ask ourselves, how does that fit into a conventional education? And now I'm not saying that we should do it because we want it to fit into an education that's familiar the way we're familiar with it, but rather because we're so familiar with it, if we could write down all the things that they are actually doing, we would discover that they're actually touching on all those things. And the only person that needs to be convinced in this is you, the mom or the parent, not the child, because the child really doesn't care that they're covering social studies or whatever, but they will naturally go in those different directions. And uh, if you write it down, I think that's really key for you to feel more at ease and not doubt. Mm, I, I love that advice. I think that's absolutely brilliant to be able to just kind of take a step back and observe. It, yeah. it can be very challenging though when we feel like okay I'm I'm homeschooling my kids it's my responsibility to teach you everything you need to know but I, I do I, I challenge myself to do that same thing of really stepping back and saying okay I want to really observe my child and get to know them for who they are as a unique individual and and part of that is giving them that space to to choose what they want to do. And then me as the parent to be able to look and see, okay, what are they naturally inclined to? What are they naturally driven towards? What are they naturally attracted to? And then seeing the learning that they're doing as they're doing what they love. Well, the thing I would add too, I mean, there's a couple of things that I would say. One of them is your goal isn't to fill it, fill their activities or fill their day. Mm -hmm. It's okay. They don't need all that because your goal probably is not to make them a byproduct of Google like the or an equivalent to Google or an equivalent to God we're never going to have all the knowledge bits it's just not even possible and if that was our goal then I mean what what kind of childhood would that be really but it's not the goal if we have to kind of go meta and look what is a long-term goal and if we want our children to feel like they're living a purposeful life and they are contributing to their communities and they're able to somehow monetize that and live their full expanse of life, then it like the entire life will be very meaningful. And if that's the goal, then we can take a breather and just go, okay, just steady, you know, slow and steady, just watch what's going on right now today and then help facilitate whatever is going on right there. But I think there's value in saying this, and I don't always hear this in the self-directed or unschooling environment. And it is, it is amazing when you as a parent say, 
I would love you, my child, to learn about this with me, or I think it's really valuable for you to learn about you fill in the blank. It's okay for you to want to spend time with your child and share something with them too, that maybe they don't really want to learn, but you're like, I really, really want, you know, I want you to learn about this or, or I want you to see how exciting this is. Like yeah. I would, take, you can see in the background, I've got a bunch of art and I love art. I love fine art. And so I kind of did like a, an unschooled version of a fine arts degree during my homeschooling years. I still am actually um, reading about neoclassism yesterday. So my oldest daughter would always go with me into whatever museums or art galleries we, we would come across because we did a lot of traveling in the beginning years. And um, my second daughter, just a few weeks ago, across the country in her university um, first year, she decided to go to an art gallery. She'd never wanted to go before, but it just she said it was really beautiful and she really enjoyed it. I was surprised. This was not the kiddo that cared about it. And I have two other kids that probably don't care that much about it yet. But there's something about sharing your world and your passions with your kids, just like your children. You know, you're, I don't know about you, but there's some things that my kids have been interested in that I am not all that interested in, like chess or Roblox or, you know, certain things yeah. are just not my interests. But they do infuse my world because these are my kids. So yeah. I think, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll say that that's a, a way to approach their education anyways. Yeah, I, I love that about being able to invite our children to take part in the things that we're passionate and interested yeah. in too. And it, it, that you're very you're very right in that respect. I, I do hear a lot of people in the self-directed learning community talking about us joining our children in their passions. But you're right. I, I don't hear very often people saying about it kind of, it can go both ways. You know, we can invite our children yeah. to, to be a part of the things that are interesting to us or fascinating to us. And, and I think a lot of that too is, is focusing on that, building that connection and that loving relationship with our kids, because yeah. we don't just want to get to know them, but it's so beneficial for our children to really get to know us as, as their parents. Um, in a lot of ways, I feel like like we miss out on that. I, at least for myself personally, I feel like I missed out on being able to get to know my mom or my dad um, yeah. and being able to give our kids the opportunity is really beautiful. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, even as a homeschool parent, we can still get caught up in the busy mm -hmm. and have all these activities that we want to do. Even as a, an unschooled parent, we, in fact, maybe, maybe sometimes more so because we're so focused on our child, um, advocating for our child or facil facilitating their interests or following down rabbit trails or whatever. We're quite busy, unbeknownst to the home, you know, the, the classical homeschool world, the un unschooling world is very, very um, child focused and it requires a lot of our attention. Mm -hmm. But no matter if you do homeschooling or unschooling, we can get so busy that we're not really making a lot of eyeball to eyeball time with our kids. Mm. We can do it if our kids are in school and we can do it even if our kids are with us. Mm. And so incorporating that time, I think is really important, both for them, obviously for attachment and connection, but for us, I think it's um, one of those unsaid things as well, that when we do that, when we're intentional with each of our kids that way, we're not likely to feel guilty at the end of the day that they're not getting enough time with us. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't say that too many homeschool moms would say that their kids don't get enough time with them. But sometimes I think the reason they're not feeling like maybe this isn't good enough 
is because they're not really spending time with them. And mm-hmm. of course, I know that's not everybody, but that is sometimes. Yeah, I can, I can definitely relate to that. You know, I'm, I'm obviously I'm home with my children, but even yeah. here, there's so many other things that can consume our time and our energy and our attention. And, and I, sometimes there are days that go by that I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, man, I feel like I didn't even really connect you right. know, with, with my daughter or, or my son, or we didn't really get to spend like quality time together. We haven't really like talked, you know, I mean, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like when there are times when you like talk with someone, but you're not really like having a conversation of like getting to know them or cultivating the relationship or asking deeper questions. And, and, um, I I think the word that you used was very powerful of being able to have intentional connection and conversation with our, our children. And, and that aspect of really being intentional, I think is, is so important. Um, and not just building connection with our, with our children, but, you know, you mentioned about solitude and even yeah. being able as a mom to, to have time dedicated, focused time with our children and being intentional in our time with them. But then yeah. on the flip side, also being intentional about having time that I can care for myself and take care of the things that I need to do too. Yeah, exactly. I know, I don't know how much work you do around personality profiles or learning about uh, Myers-Briggs or Enneagram, mm-hmm. but I, I would love to do some formal research to find out what are most homeschool parents in personality types? And does that influence how we're homeschooling? And the reason I bring that up is because I think not only can we miss those eyeball to eyeball moments or those connection times, but we can also be too focused on maintaining a connection constantly. And there's really like, I want to say a balance, but I don't really like that word because I don't think you ever get to a balanced place. But there is like this constant tension between these two things of they're with us. And of course, especially when they're littler, they really do need you more and right, you know, for so many very in your face kind of things, but you know, they become teenagers and they still really need you more, but it's more complex and it's more emotional. And, um, and yet, even though they need you, you also need to have a sense of separateness and maintaining a sense of separateness at the same time you're living alongside people and helping to um, nurture other people. That is tricky. How have you been able to do that to, to maintain your separateness as an individual while you're also helping, you know, raise up for unique individuals too? Well, you know, I would, that's a good question because I have often spoken to boundary discussions and that um, this is why I was asking about personality profiling, because I think there are certain personalities that are more likely to be drawn to it, or maybe there's specific reasons why we're drawn to it. Not always the same. I know that everyone's not the same, but sometimes we're drawn to it because we're like what my experience was, was trying to create this perfect world, this kind of like family utopia, which is just, it's just not real because you're human and your children are human in their own unique ways. And then that humanness will crash and clash and be rather unpleasant on some days. Mm -hmm. Um, But if our goal is always to give, 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 and be available, 
And then we're in this mindset that we're actually the ones that are able to give them everything that they need. And it's not actually real. Mm. But that for me came with a discussion or a story, story in my own life about building boundaries. And that's why I've begun to build this course around boundaries for homeschool moms. But it's very individualized too, because people have boundary issues in different relationships for different reasons. Nonetheless, all of those issue or issues will influence how you're engaging your kids. Wow. Um, I would love to hear more about this course. That, and not only the course, I know that you have contributed a lot of time and energy and resources of your life into helping support other homeschoolers through books and your podcast and your website and all these things. Can you share a little bit more about some of the, the services that you offer and the ways that that you have been helping support homeschooling moms for a long time? Yeah. So my goal is, to, excuse me, <clears throat> my goal is to help homeschool moms show up on purpose in their homeschools and have clarity and confidence and vision. And that all came out of my practical homeschool world as well, my own experience. But so the, the main approach that I have is to say, hey, take a look at this. I actually just released this, a self-care quiz and see how are you taking care of yourself right now? And I'm not talking about pedicures and manicures and stuff like that. I haven't done that for years, um, but I'm talking about how primarily, yes, time for separateness, time for quiet, time for alone time time to build into your learning and your desire for learning, but also the self-care strategies you would expect that one would ask about, more importantly, the thought self-care strategies. And when I refer to thought self-care strategies, I mean, how are you dealing with your big emotions, your anger, or your sense of overwhelm, or doubt, or not feeling good enough, or guilt, or you fill in the blank, so many possibilities, because you're a human being as a mother or a parent homeschooling. And so you're having a human experience just alongside your kids, the same thing. But how are you addressing that? How are you actually engaging your own big emotions? Because I actually think that's the, to me anyways, the only really big unpleasant aspect of homeschooling is having to deal with your stuff. So through a retreat, it's a four week retreat, I help bring women through the place of, you know, all the big emotions that they've got. And also the uncertainty about what an education in their homeschool really looks like, and then come to the other end, and they have a plan for showing up on purpose with mm -hmm. clarity, confidence and vision. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like a really powerful course. And if you are yeah. listening and interested in checking out um, that course or the other things that Teresa offers, I'll be sure to link that in the show notes as well um, in the description too. So you can get connected with those things. I'm so curious to take the self-care quiz that you yeah. mentioned for myself. Um, I, I never really thought about thought self-care. Um, yeah. I've never heard that phrase before. Never really thought about that because normally when we think about self-care, I, I think about well, I don't do the pedicures and manicures yeah. either. Um, but yeah, I do think about, you know, having time for myself or having time to do things that I love and having time to be alone and not be touched for, for a couple of minutes. You know, um, I think about that aspect of self-care, but never really about thought self-care. Can you explain a little bit more what you mean when you say thought self-care? Yeah, I think I made that up. Um, because I use the self-care in so many different realms, but it is really our thoughts that can get 
the, you know, take the most energy from our lives. Mm -hmm. So I was introduced to this idea from Dr. Daniel Amen, who is a medical doctor, a psychiatrist, and uh, he's very big on YouTube and Instagram, actually. And he's the author of Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. So he says, when you're having, and this is adopted from someone else, I think Byron Katie was the first to write about this. But he said that if you're having an uncomfortable emotion, then ask yourself, first of all, what are you feeling? Because our instinct is to not feel our feelings, is not to actually ask us, what is my feeling? So what is your feeling? Now, what's the thought? behind your feeling because there is always a thought behind your feeling it may be true it may not be true but that's the key is to ask ourselves is it pot or, or you know is it possible that the thought isn't true and the answer is always yes and I'll tell you why because if you've got a best friend or a mom or a partner they don't think exactly the same way as you they will see the exact same scenario and see it in a different perspective so that's the key is to ask ourselves, okay, what is the alternate perspective in this? A reframing process really. And then, and then try to understand yourself. It's a self-awareness process to understand what's the story you're telling in that. And there's always a story. <laughs> there's so many stories. Like I throw this one out here because this one is the least likely to have happened in my home. I say, kids get in the car. We're going to piano class or you know, violin lessons or whatever. And you need to be in there, you know, in five minutes, let's go. And I'm waiting for you. Why aren't you here? And that is because they don't care. Mm -hmm. Or this is what I'm telling myself, or because I don't know, you fill in the blank. And the reason I say it would never happen in my home is because I'm usually the last one in the car. <laughs> so the kids, <laughs> the kids would be like, should you use that as an example? <laughs> but, you know, we tell ourselves a story about why are they not in the car? It's their class. It's their, their soccer lessons. Don't they care? Maybe they don't care. Maybe they're lazy. Maybe they're, you know, you fill in the blank what you think mm -hmm. it is. But that that story that I tell myself influences then how I'm engaging the child. Mm. And, you know, it influences the atmosphere. It certainly influences how happy I am <laughs> or unhappy I am. Yeah. And so that it, ultimately I'm speaking to a self-awareness process of getting to be familiar with your thoughts and having a plan to address them. Mm. That, that metacognition, you know, thinking about thinking is, it's definitely challenging. Um, and it, it actually what you're talking about, it sounds very similar to me to the Landmark Forum. Are you familiar with the Landmark Forum? Oh. No? Um, well, if um, if anyone's listening, I highly, highly recommend the Landmark Forum. It's a three-day course, and it has been by far one of the most transformative experiences that I've ever had in my life. Um, oh. But they, they talk about that, of helping people make that distinction between what happened and your story about what happened. Exactly. And, and it's, it's life transforming because when you can really get clear about what happened is completely separate from my story or my interpretation or my feelings, emotions, thoughts about that, whatever happened, um, yeah. there is no problem. There's no pain. There's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad in what happened. What happened is just what happened. Um, but then we add in our story and our interpretation and we make, you know, make things mean, oh, I'm not a good mom or my child is lazy or my child, you know, like all those examples that yeah. you gave. All the things. Yes. <laughs> 
all the stories that we tell ourselves about what is happening and that really has an impact on how we respond to things in life and the way that we perceive our children and the way we perceive ourselves. And yeah, so I, I highly recommend that course if anyone is interested in taking a real deep dive into really examining all of the stories that we have in our lives that have played such a huge impact on you know who we are as human beings today and that person we're going to be tomorrow in the world. Um, and that's what I do with the retreat is that I dig deep in that. And actually what I love doing is the one-on-one -on -one coaching with people. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. It is so much easier having someone be a mirror for you and help you explore what's already in here yeah. because you don't need someone to give you advice. You don't need someone to tell you what to do. You sometimes think you do. But actually to have someone reflect back what you're really saying and saying, is this what you're saying? Or so I hear you say this, or tell me more about that thing that clearly you're not seeing very clearly. And the more that we can have those conversations, there's like these, these eyes that just light up and go, oh, or the ones that sometimes take me back or the tears that just come out of what I experience as nowhere until I hear the the narrative in that person's head and realize oh I just asked them something that really triggered them to think about this really big thing that they didn't want to think about mm. and and then going down that path of figuring out all the stuff that you just spoke to I mm. love that I love watching I, I love watching people's eyes light up wow and so you do that with with moms and and I'm assuming with dads also is it just exclusively for moms very few dads that'd okay. be the truth um, my husband. <laughs> I, I'm wondering, is, is this kind of work about, you know, metacognition and thinking about thinking, is that something that you can also do with your children? Oh, you, you naturally do. Um, but you know, you have to, I mean, it very much depends on your child. Yes, you can do it, but you know, they get to a certain age where they're individuating and becoming adolescent. So I don't know, depends eight to 11 ish and they can smell that stuff a mile away so then you have to back off you have to assume um that you aren't how do you say like controlling an environment or controlling a conversation and your goal is to really just listen mm. just listen. actually I would say you know just as attachment when kids are really little the value of really connecting with them is being available or the the goal in connecting is really powerful for kids, but how you do it is just by being available a lot. Mm -hmm. And whereas when they're older, if they've had that for a long time, they already know that you're available a lot, um, but is to not poke and prod at everything that they might say that you go, wait, what did they say? Oh, maybe I need to help them explore that. You don't mm -hmm. want to take that role with a teenager. You want to just be available and then go into that gently, softly, carefully, mm. but that's, listen. that's great advice. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about the teen years. Cause I know, you know, when I was growing up, I did not have a very good relationship with my parents when I was growing up. And, and so I've been nervous about what that would be like, you know, to be a mom to another teenage girl with all the big emotions that Yep. <laughs> teenage girls go through. And do you have any tips or tricks for dealing with that teenage stage of life that I know a lot of parents really are kind of afraid or nervous about 
having a teenager? Well, I wouldn't actually really give advice specifically to that because I think whoever your child is right now, you have a spider sense of who they might be a little bit more grown up Mm -hmm. You're probably right. That's probably who they're going to be, or they're going to be more that. And so if your goal is to connect with them now, you'll be figuring that out along the way. You'll, you'll figure out how to do that connection. But I would also say that that self-awareness aspect that we're speaking to everything that you do for yourself to help you understand you, how you're showing up in your homeschool, you know, how you address your big emotions, every little bit of that is caught by your kids somehow. Mm. That's, I think that's the biggest work is to really imprint by just being what you really need to be. And it doesn't sound like a great, you know, parenting book when I say it that way, but I actually think it's the most important stuff is to be who you want your children to be, or, you know, to, to show them how to show up. Yeah. Um, that, that can be very difficult because I think a lot of us too have not really had the the practice in dealing with our own big emotions as you mentioned like a lot of us just weren't raised you know with gentle parenting or respectful parent or parents that maybe were available or even parents that modeled what it looked like to deal with big emotions in a healthy way Uh, what are some I guess strategies that you use to deal with your own big emotions that you've been able to share with your children well and neither was I (laughs) <laughs> and I wasn't taught that either. I was very much not taught that. And if you mm-hmm. would look back at my history, um, I just never know how to characterize it other than to say it would make a really great dramatic film. And it was very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And everyone around it, everyone, everyone around knew that, like everyone publicly knew that. So, mm-hmm. so I'm coming from that perspective. But as you're, as I was finishing what I was just saying before, I thought, you know what, I want you to know something to all the homeschool moms or anybody that hears this, I think, know this, you are not going to show up on purpose all the time in the way that you want to. Mm -hmm. I think we have to have a goal. And I think we have to have a plan. And also a lot of grace. And I mean that genuinely, a lot of grace, not just a glib, let me tell you, you can just give yourself some grace. I mean, give yourself a lot of grace, because you're essentially reparenting and that that's what I've learned is how to reparent so you know that again is something that I talk about in in the retreat is self-compassion techniques Mm -hmm. how to actually address yourself like you are your own parent because some of us don't have those healthy parents or those healthy parent models and we know it and the rest of us didn't have perfect parents so so and turns out neither are we like none of us will. So yeah. I would say the, the first thing is to accept that you really are imperfect and you're not going to always hit it. You'll mm-hmm. never show up on purpose perfectly, but have a plan. Definitely go through those, you know, things like reparenting um, techniques, self-compassion techniques. And I'll give you something practical because that sounds like very cliche to use those words. Um, I think mindfulness is highly underrated (laughs) and it's a very hot word right now but it's a very very important word that mindfulness or self-awareness that I was speaking to before it helps you to really feel what's going on there and then ask yourself what what can I do to take care of myself right now what is it that I need so for me when I was in those places of just like extreme exasperation with what's going on um, one of the tools that I learned 
in my homeschool was to walk myself to a mirror. Don't wait for me to come up with some clever thing to say in my head when a child is doing something that is just making me go, you know, this is no stop to stop. And I'm feeling really intense. I walk myself to a mirror. You don't even have to say, I'm going to go to a mirror now. Just turn around and walk to the mirror because what you might have just said wouldn't necessarily have been healthy or a good choice. So just mm -hmm. walk away, go to the mirror and look at yourself and address yourself like you're your own friend, mm -hmm. which totally sounds weird. And I get that. But it's actually weirdly useful because you look <laughs> at the person in the mirror and you're like, oh, so even though that is me, I'm now out of my head looking at another person mm. and she looks really sad, even though she's angry and disappointed or frustrated or whatever, big emotion. And she looks really sad and she needs encouragement. She needs to be reminded that her kids are amazing and human, or, you know, she needs to be reminded of, you know, whatever it is, but just like you would speak to your own friend speak the words to yourself and it's much easier when you're looking at yourself another very sad or upset physical person in a mirror mm. that's a i love that practical tip thank you so very much for sharing that because I, I think you're right a lot of times we can talk in theories and ideas mm -hmm. and ideals um, but yeah. we really don't have a plan, like you mentioned, having a clear plan of when I'm in this moment that I'm having this huge emotion, what can I do now? You know, and, and so having a, a clear strategy like that is so helpful. Thank you so very much for sharing that. I'm going to have to give that one a try. I've never done that before. Sounds super weird and I get it, but it works. <laughs> awesome. How did you discover these kinds of strategies? Oh, well, because I had such challenging childhood, I just, I mean, I read so many books before I even had kids or even before I was married, mm -hmm. um, because I knew that I didn't have what I needed. Mm -hmm. Turns out I still went into it full force, assuming that I knew what I was doing and didn't. <laughs> and learning along the way. I mean, I just actually published a podcast myself yesterday on dealing with big emotions and there was one line that I shared in there about how I wish certain days, I think I forget how I said it, but there are certain days that I genuinely wish I could strike from the book. Mm. And I know that someone could say to me that, listen, you knew what you knew for that moment. And then you grew and you learned what you needed to learn. So you could not engage that way again. And that is true. And I would say that to other people too, but I still wish I could strike those books or those days from the book. Mm -hmm. And also then I still have to go back to practicing grace and saying, you know what, turns out you're human, having a human experience in a homeschool mom parenting role. Mm -hmm. You didn't come into this world with a whole bunch of, you know, it, uh, you didn't have a beautiful story coming in an easy story coming in. And so it is what it is. So what are you going to do about it? Because now you have to take on the challenging, though very real role of reparenting and doing the best that you can do with what you know right now. Wow. That is, that is wonderful words of wisdom that you're sharing here. I feel like I've been learning so much from this conversation and just you've get, really given me a lot to reflect on for myself and my own 
parenting journey and where I am. And I hope that for my listeners too, that this conversation has been so valuable for you. Um, and I always like to ask people before I wrap up the episode, if you could give one piece of advice to a person who is considering homeschooling in particular unschooling or self-directed learning, what advice would you give? Hmm. Good question. Hmm. I have so many pieces of advice. That's the problem. <laughs> okay, you can pick two or three. <laughs> it doesn't have to be this one. There's so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, read a lot, but that's coming from somebody that likes to read a lot. And then join my book club so we could chat about it. But read a lot, explore a lot. But probably the same thing I would have said when I was pediatric nursing is that trust your instinct because you are your child's greatest advocate even though other people say they have this whole education theory licked, they have this figured, they could tell you how to do an education for your child and prescribe all the wonderful things that they could prescribe. You are your child's greatest advocate. Mm, I love that. Trust your instincts. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah. if someone is interested in connecting with you, Teresa, getting a part of your book club or uh, yeah. maybe following you on your podcast, how can someone connect with you? Come on over to my website. It's capturingthecharmedlife.com. Capturingthecharmedlife.com. And I like to say, once upon a time, I thought you could have the perfectly charmed life. It turns out no, but we can turn our challenges into our charms. Mm, I like that too. All right. And you're also um, active on Instagram and Facebook. Is that correct? That's right. Awesome. So I will make sure that I include Teresa's Instagram, Facebook, her website, capturingthecharmedlife.com, and also the link for her podcast. And what is the name of your podcast again? Homeschool Mama Self-Care. Awesome. Yes. So <laughs> I could definitely tell that self-care is something that is super yeah. important to you. And it sounds like um, like that podcast will be a real blessing for a homeschool mom. So if you are a homeschool mom or even not a homeschool mom, just mom in general, I think we can all benefit from being able to have support as we are learning how to practice care, not only for our children, but also caring for ourselves. So thank you so very much, Teresa, for joining me today on today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. It was such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. <laughs> and to all of my listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. I hope this episode was as much of a blessing for you as it has been for me. Please make sure that you subscribe to um, my podcast because there are new episodes that are released every single Tuesday. And if you would like to support me in the work that I'm doing, please share this episode with your family and friends and check out the membership to the Peaceful World Schooling community in the links in the description. Have a great day and I'll see you next Tuesday. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders. And if you enjoyed today's episode, click subscribe and be sure to hit the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.